Hello, Facebook family and friends. Bill Allen here from Tyler, Texas. Great to be with you this afternoon on a Thursday afternoon towards the end of March. I hope you've had a good month. I hope you've had a good week. And uh, I appreciate you taking some time to view this message and to spend some time in God's Word. Uh, we've been looking at a passage from Colossians 3, really starting in verse 1. And we've made it down to about verse 21, um, looking at the Christian home. Um, there's a lot to be said about uh, what God expects of Christian homes and how he empowers us to do the things and to have the message that he calls us uh, to do and to be. So I'm excited about uh, looking at this study. We began a couple of weeks ago looking at the home, looking at husbands and wives and their relationship and what Paul has to say about it last week. And then this week, looking at what he has to say to parents and children. Uh, and so today I want to kind of put those last couple of weeks together in perspective and maybe have a little bit of fun and share uh, something that I uh, I know that you've probably heard before, uh, but a wonderful poem uh, from Dorothy Nolte entitled uh, Children Learn What They Live. Um, it's great to see a few signing on already. Wonderful to see my dear friends, uh, Cindy and Eric Mosley, uh, signing on such faithful listeners and such dear good friends. So um, I hope that uh, that you're able to uh, tune in and understand uh, a little bit and maybe be challenged a little bit, but at least be reminded of the great blessings that God has given us in the Christian home and also uh, the call to uh, continue uh, serving him and uh, passing along the faith uh, in our homes. Um, I, you probably noticed the <laughs> title of this lesson, Putting the Fun in Dysfunctional. I had a dear, dear friend in Arlington years and years ago as we were all raising our kids together and having a great time doing it and experiencing all the challenges and the disappointments and the burdens and all of the successes and the fun and the stories together. Uh, that was a great, great group. And uh, we, Joyce and I, look back on those days uh, with great, great fondness and love because of the uh, very critical time it was in our lives. Our daughters were raised in Arlington. They were about three and well, four and two, I guess, when we moved there in 1985. And we were there for 20 years. So our, our daughters grew up there. One of our daughters still lives there in Arlington. And uh, she and her husband and our wonderful grandson, Isaac, uh, attend the church where we were for so long, the wonderful Woodland West Church of Christ there. So it, it, there's a great place in our hearts uh, for all of that, uh, all of that church, all of those people, and, um, and that special time in our lives. But one of our dear friends uh, told me one time, uh, she said, Bill, we put the fun in dysfunctional. <laughs> I thought that was so great. And I don't want to be flippant. I, don't, I, don't, I realize that dysfunction in families is a very big tragedy. And I, I know that there are some problems that go on in the home that are super serious. And I don't mean to make light of that. But at the same time, one of the great blessings that we had, Joyce and I did, as we raised our children together with such a dynamic group, um, is the fact that we raised our children together. <laughs> and we were very much involved in each other's lives. We knew uh, what was going on. We knew how uh, wonderful everyone was. And we also knew how how uh, especially challenged in certain areas everyone was. And we knew the <laughs> we knew the great things about each other's kids. And we also knew that each other's kids were kids. 
and that uh, there was nobody that had the perfect home, nobody that was the perfect spouse, and nobody had the perfect kids. Nobody was the perfect parent. And I think that's really important. I really do. And I think one of the greatest blessings we had as we raised our kids was knowing other couples and other families like that who were experiencing the same things that we were experiencing. We didn't have to hide the difficulties that we had with our kids because we were all having them. Um, one of our great uh, memories, Joyce and mine, and also our dear friends, Bill and Tony Kashub, uh, who Bill just had a birthday. Happy birthday again, Bill. But uh, one of our great memories is when our daughters were teenagers and, and we were experiencing all kinds of craziness that we actually met for lunch or dinner, I guess, <clears throat> at the uh, local Cheddar's restaurant there in Arlington. And when we get together, and especially when we were raising our, our teenage daughters, uh, I mean, it was a counseling session. <laughs> everybody was the counselor and everybody was the counselee. And the four of us just sat there for probably two or three hours, who knows how long, and just had a great, great time. And talking with each other, laughing with each other, uh, talking about the burdens that we had with our kids at the time. And and uh, we we were pretty much oblivious to everything that was going on. And I got to tell you, <laughs> we were so embarrassed. This is a true story that in that little section where we were in Cheddar's restaurant, when we stood up to leave, the people at the tables around us clapped. <laughs> you think I'm lying, but I'm not. I am not. And we had no idea. Of course, we would have been more considerate had we even been asked to tone it down or, or had somebody said, you know, you guys are being kind of rowdy or loud or something. And I apologized on my way out to the manager. And I said, look, I, we had no idea. I am so very sorry. And he said, look, this is a this is a restaurant. We play loud music. If people want to go somewhere where it's a little bit quieter environment, then they can they can do that. And I appreciated him saying that. But at the same time, we probably went too far. And everyone in that little section where we were sitting knew, at the end of our lunch knew all about our daughters, all about our marriages, all about our home. And I tell you, I hope that you have that. If you're a young family, I hope that you have that. I hope that you have. And we have that here at West Irwin, some wonderful, very active young families. They're some of the most active members of our church. And they're doing so much and they're trying so hard. And, and we love them so much. Uh, so very much. And, and what a burden to be raising children, young children or teenagers or young adults, college age, uh, in this environment today. Our hearts go out to them and to you. And, uh, and I want to say, again, the greatest burden that Joyce and I, uh, burdens that Joyce and I had, we shared with our, our closest friends and, and we, we had them. And it was such a great blessing. Uh, to be able to go through that time uh, together. As we think back on Colossians 3 and what it says about the Christian home, we start with verse 1, which says that we should set our minds and our hearts on things above. And you say, Bill, that doesn't say anything about families or homes or husbands and wives or parents and children. That's right, it doesn't, but that still applies. Um, all those great teachings of Scripture, they don't get checked off when we are considering our home life. Um, that's not it at all. Uh, we are called upon to be faithful Christians in our homes as well as everywhere else. And so as we think about the home, that's what we want to think about is setting our minds on things above and, and focusing on the spiritual part. 
and the internal part of what it means to be uh, faithful in our home life. Um, and so we're reminded of that in all of the do's and don'ts, the thou shalts and thou shalt nots that happen there in first in Colossians 3, similar to other passages such as the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is kind, love is patient, love doesn't keep any record of wrongs, love, love always is encouraging and supportive and, and all those things that uh, it talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. Well, that applies more than just at the wedding ceremony, a nice thing to read. To read, It applies to the home forever, and it applies in every aspect of our lives, including our relationships with our family. Um, and so I hope that you'll think about that and remember that great verse that I've mentioned throughout this study, Colossians 3, verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, uh, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything we do and say is done to honor Christ, and uh, and I think that includes how we treat each other in the home. Um, and so I, I want to remind us of those verses in verses 18 through 21 that talk about husbands and wives and how they're to love and submit to each other, that call on children to be obedient to their parents, and that call on parents to raise their children up in the love and nurture and admonition and discipline of the Lord. Um, that's the call in, in, in uh, the scriptures. Uh, Jesus gives us a wonderful example in Matthew 7 when he's talking about uh, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door shall be open to you. The, the way he illustrates that is he says, look, parents know how to give good gifts to their children. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts and good things to his children who ask him, ask and you shall receive. And I think that's a great illustration of what the Christian home is to be about. We are to be giving good gifts to each other and showing our love uh, to one another. Yes, that involves discipline. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 12, quote from the book of Proverbs and, and remind us that a, a parent will discipline and train the child that they love. And that's why sometimes we experience Hardship in this life is God's molding us into the uh, children of his that he wants us to be and preparing us for uh, ministry to others down the line. Uh, we don't always see that at the time and it's never fun. In fact, uh, the writer of Hebrews says that it's not fun when you're going through it, but at the same time, it's something that makes us better uh, and it helps us to be able to serve and minister to others. And so with that in mind, I want to read a couple of passages. The first one is uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, because Deuteronomy 6 is a great passage that's, that tells us the importance of what the Christian home is supposed to be. Um, and, and I think one of the primary, if not the primary, and let me rephrase that, the primary task of, in the Christian home is to um, uh, continue the faith that we have in God through Jesus Christ our Lord and pass that along to our children. And that was the purpose of the Old Testament uh, people of Israel as well. Bill, that's a pretty strong statement. Well, listen to these words from Deuteronomy 6 and, and tell me if that's not the truth. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, beginning at verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them 
your kids, you, your kids, and your grandkids. May fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. That's the promise. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Uh, remember in Deuteronomy 5, verse 16, that Paul uh, quotes and remembers in Ephesians 6 when he tells uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is a commandment with a promise that it'll go better for you and that you'll live long on the earth in the land. And we could add to that based on these teachings as well, that you'll live for eternity if you're obeying your parents in the Lord. Again, we don't have any excuse, no justification for any kind of abuse either between husband and his wife or between parents and their children. That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about parents who are raising their children in godly ways. Uh, verse four of Deuteronomy six. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. As you know, what Jesus called the greatest commandment. When asked what's the greatest commandment in the law, that's the one he said. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. But let's keep reading. These commandments, verse 6, that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It's what James Dobson called teachable moments. There's never a time, there's never a, a conversation between parents and their children or grandparents and their grandchildren when you can't work a message from God in there. Granted, you don't want it to be awkward and you don't want to to be uh, so obvious and to do it so often and, and put any pressure that, that it loses its effect. But what you want to do is, is talk about it. Uh, and when things come up in life, in the world, on the news, in a TV show, and you can take that opportunity to teach your children as you walk along the path or whatever you're doing, then do that. Um, we have things up in our home and that are that are wonderful things that that are encouraging messages, uh, including scriptures such as Joshua 24, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think it's great that Christian homes will have all kinds of things, nativity scenes, or a plaque quoting scripture, or uh, the First Corinthians 13 verses, or Joshua 24, or this passage in Deuteronomy 6, whatever it is, that's great. Those are conversation starters, and they're reminders, just as Moses said we are to have. Um, and then we skip down a little bit in Deuteronomy 6 to verse 20. Deuteronomy 6, 20, in the future, when your child asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell them, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And he goes on to speak about that, to tell the story, tell the kids the story. As I've shared before, my own story in this study from Colossians 2 um, and other places, uh, it's important for your kids to know your story, your story of faith. What happened? What was it when you became a Christian? How did that happen? Why did that happen? Who impacted you? What impacted you? What were the scriptures that you thought about? 
those things, uh, that, that is such an important thing for us to pass along to our kids and to pass along all of God's will to our kids. No, it's not just the church's job. It's not just the preacher's job or the children's minister or the youth minister or their Bible class teacher. All of us have a role to play. That's right. But it starts in the home. And the ultimate responsibility is in the home. Uh, parents, grandparents, we are called upon to give our children every opportunity to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to give them every opportunity to come to trust in the Lord Jesus. And I think that's more than just parents and grandparents. That is a community. It was that way in Deuteronomy 6. Moses was talking to the whole community. And yes, the individual households had the primary responsibility, but they were a community of faith. And just like we had when we were in Arlington, just like our young adults have here that are active in our church here in Tyler at West Irwin, um, that it's, it's everybody's responsibility. I think of our kids here at, at West Irwin, not as just, you know, this family's children and that family's children, but they're our kids. They're all of our kids that go to this church. We're a part of their life. I love uh, one of my dear, dear friends here is Suzanne Brawley, and I love Brawley so much so much. Uh, she's a wonderful coach, uh, teacher, uh, but she is a mentor in every sense of the word, and she cares about these children. Um, no, they're not her biological children, but they she couldn't care about them more if they were. I tell you that, and that's the truth. And she does so much for them to support them and encourage them, and we have others just like that here, um, and that should be the case in every church. I tell you, one of my one of my favorite memories at Woodland West in Arlington is Brother Ira Powers. Longtime deacon, ultimately became an elder, uh, but he was a bit gruff. And when the kids would, would run in church in the foyer or uh, down the hall or whatever, he would stop them. No, they weren't his kids or grandkids, but they knew if they ran around Brother Ira, they were going to be stopped. And he would ask them to sit down and he would talk to them a little bit about what they're doing. And then he would send them on their way. Um, and he did that because he cared about them and he cared about everybody else. But let me tell you another thing about Ira Powers. He also had a pocket full of peppermints in his coat pocket at church. And the kids knew that they could come up and they could only get one, but they could reach their hand in that pocket and they could have a mint. He cared about these kids. He cared about their future. And let me tell you, when Brother Ira Powers died, these kids that had grown up at that church that were a little bit older, maybe older elementary school, junior high, high school, teenagers, college age, and young adults, those kids, those adults, they cried. They bawled because Brother Ira, they knew, cared about them. And he had come to mean so much to them. And I tell you, that that is, we need people like that in our church. People that aren't just there to try to be a bad guy, but people who genuinely care about the kids so much so that they know it. They don't question for a moment that that person cares about me. We need that everywhere. We need that always. Um, I love this story. Children learn what they live. You've heard this poem by Dorothy Law Nolte. She writes, if children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. If children live with hostility, they learn to fight. If children live with fear, they learn to be apprehensive. 
If children live with pity, they learn to feel sorry for themselves. If children live with ridicule, they learn to feel shy. If children live with jealousy, they learn to feel envy. If children live with shame, they learn to feel guilty. But if children live with encouragement, they learn confidence. If children live with tolerance, they learn patience. If children live with praise, they learn appreciation. If children live with acceptance, they learn to love. If children live with approval, they learn to like themselves. If children live with recognition, they learn it is good to have a goal. If children live with sharing, they learn generosity. If children live with honesty, they learn truthfulness. If children live with fairness, they learn justice. If children live with kindness and consideration, they learn respect. If children live with security, they learn to have faith in themselves and in those about them. And if children live with friendliness, they learn the world is a nice place in which to live. Great, great poem. Uh, I love it. And it's a, a wonderful message for us to raise our children in a positive environment. Now, a positive environment doesn't mean we never discipline or punish. And remember, we talked about that uh, earlier this week. Uh, discipline is a broad term that means positive and negative reinforcement. And so when punishment is needed, we do that. We do that fairly and justly, not abuse, but we do that in right ways. And we try to help them as much as is possible face the consequences of their own behavior uh, themselves. That's a great learning tool, as Jerry and Lynn Jones have said. Um, but we want them to know love and appreciation and acceptance and guidance. Uh, that's what the Christian home is to be about. And I love this quote. Someone said one time, and I've latched onto it through the years, not original with me, but they said the best thing parents can do for their children is to love each other. And I think that's right. Our kids pick up on whether or not their mom and dad love each other in unselfish, sacrificial, Christ-like ways. Uh, what a great statement that is. Let me read you an example of some folks who um, who did it right. Um, and, um, and this is a grandmother and a mother um, from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse uh, 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul looked at Timothy as his son in the gospel. What a great, great blessing and relationship that they shared. And how important was it to Timothy to have Paul? How important was it to me to have Ronnie Clayton, who just recently passed away? How important was it to me to have so many others that have mentored me uh, through the years? Daryl Flint in San Antonio, Charlie Charleville, Ron Toothman, uh, Dick Canada, Glenn Lackey, uh, Glenn Gray in Arlington, um, Ken Smithson, my dear friend uh, that I knew and was a co-minister with uh, in Arlington. Wonderful dear friends that have guided me through the years. And now I have some here as well. And I had some in North Carolina. And But in these later years, now I'm called upon to be that for others. Am I doing that? Are you doing that? But let's keep reading because this is not about Paul and Timothy. This is about Timothy and his mother and his grandmother. Verse three, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. 
2 Timothy 1 verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. You know, I used to have a hard time remembering which one was Lois and which one was Eunice. And I believe it was my old buddy, old pal, Kevin Finley in Arlington, who said, well, Bill, it's really easy. Just remember let, L-E-T, Lois, the grandmother, Eunice, the mother, Timothy, the son and grandson. Let, Lois, Eunice, Timothy. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate that, brother. <laughs> you wouldn't have dreamed that I'm still using that today all these years later, would you? Um, but that's that's a great example. And Timothy's father was not a believer. He was not he was not a Jew. He was a, a non-Jew, a Gentile. But his mother was faithful, his grandmother, and his mother was faithful and became a Christian as well. And Timothy was baptized into Jesus Christ and then went on the mission trip uh, with Paul and Silas in Acts 16. What a great, great story. Where does that begin? With Paul? No. As important as it was for Paul to mentor Timothy, that's not where it started. Um, but it started with that grandmother Lois and that mother Eunice and the faith in God that they had and the faith in Christ that they helped to develop and cultivate in young Timothy. How do you do that? Well, you do that by sharing the word of God. You do that. And later on in 2 Timothy in chapter 3, as you know, Paul is going to remind Timothy. In fact, let's just read that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 14. But as for you, 2 Timothy 3, 14, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Not just Paul himself, but his mother and his grandmother. And then he goes on and talks about that. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. From infancy, Timothy knew the Bible. From infancy, Timothy heard the word of God from his grandmother and from his mother. And by the time Paul came along, he didn't have to do a lot of Bible study with Timothy. Timothy already knew it. What he got to do with him, though, was to tell him about Jesus and to see Timothy uh, go on mission trips with him and become a great gospel preacher and church leader himself. Paul goes on to talk about that great passage in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, how every scripture is inspired by God. God breathed and is prof profitable, useful, effective for teaching, for rebuke, for training in righteousness so that the child of God, the teacher, the man of God, the woman of God, the parent can be thoroughly equipped for everything, every good work. Um, that's the Christian home that we're talking about here. We're not talking about the Sunday school class, although I think it applies there. We're not talking about Bill's sermons, although it better apply there. We're talking about the Christian home. We're talking about the influence of a mother and a grandmother and how eternity can only say how many were reached through their son and grandson, Timothy. Um, it's such an incredible blessing, and it starts with the Word of God. Are you transforming your children through God's Word? That's the question. Yeah, let's teach them how to be good citizens. Yeah, let's teach them a skill. Yeah, let's teach them to be responsible in society. All of that is so very important, but there's nothing more important than helping your children hear 
the word of God. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy in the very next chapter and he says, look, Timothy, preach the word. Preach it when it's convenient and when it's not, when they want to hear it and when they don't. Because there are times when people don't want to hear God's word. It was true in Isaiah's day. It was true in Jeremiah's day. Certainly true in Jesus' day. True in Paul's day. True today. But that doesn't mean we don't share it. Our children aren't always going to want to hear what we have to say. And if your eyes, if you've never seen a, a child's eyes roll back at something you said, or a door slam, or I hate you, or any of those things, uh, well, not everybody experiences those things. But let me tell you, a lot do. A lot do. And it doesn't mean the end of the world, but it 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 is a hard thing to go through. But they don't always want to hear it. But they always need to hear it. They always need to see and to hear. Children learn what they live. They need to live the word of God. It needs to be something that it becomes very familiar to them as they're growing up. What a great thing our children had, our daughters, as they grew up in that wonderful church in Arlington. What a great thing our kids have here. As they grow up together, our Wednesday night Bible hour program is kicked back in and Oh, it is so great, so wonderful. Our wonderful uh, children's ministry classes are going on. We have, as we're in the midst of a youth minister search, we have uh, some committed parents that are doing everything they can to, to help our children and to teach them in the Bible classes and even to go on a recent camping trip with some of them. That's that's what it's all about, passing the faith along to our children. There is nothing, nothing more that parents and grandparents can do for their children and grandchildren than passing along the word of God, passing along their faith in Jesus Christ. That comes by what we say, and it comes by what we do, and it comes by the environment that the children live in. Just as Paul wrote to the Romans, and he said in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing the message of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We need to be passing that along in our homes. Our first and best witness in the world related to the home is to have good families, not perfect families. <laughs> and ours certainly wasn't. There's And the people that were around us, they knew that. And they saw us as individuals and, and parents and men, a man, a woman, a husband, a wife, kids um, that were just like everybody else's. But we were striving to be what God wanted us to be and to do what God wanted us to do. And that's what we want. Um, our world is, is helped when they see our families as, as being honest and genuinely seeking to do God's will, not doing it perfectly. There's no such thing as a perfect husband or a perfect wife. No such thing as perfect parents or grandparents. No such thing as perfect children. Um, but we can be good families. And I believe that's what God is calling us to do. And so if you put the fun and dysfunctional in your home, God bless you. God bless you. Because we we do this job uh, with great faith and trust in the Lord. We do it with great hope that he'll use our efforts and the efforts of so many others um, to help cultivate faith in our children and our grandchildren. Um, but we also do it with great joy. One of the great things about our home is that we laughed a lot and we still do. And I think that's so very, very healthy. Um, make sure that joy is a part of that upbringing, is a part of that environment in your home. And I pray that it is. 
uh, families that in spite of and, and sometimes even because of our imperfections are faithful to each other and to our Heavenly Father. Those families have a great impact. Husbands who love their wives the way Christ loved the church and give themselves for their wives the way Christ gave himself uh, for the church, his bride. Wives who choose to respect and genuinely seek to build up their husbands. Children who are taught to be obedient to their parents and respectful to all in authority. And parents who encourage and build up their children. Uh, by helping them to see and to hear and to learn and to come to know uh, the Word of God and Jesus Christ as their Lord. I hope and I pray that that is your home. And I hope and I pray that that is the home of our children and our grandchildren and of every family uh, in our churches. May God bless us to that end. Amen.